Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. I mean, right as I looked up, a bobcat is is in my face. I mean, it is pounced on me. Hi, this is Tracy, and welcome to another podcast episode from Nature Reliance Media. You can check us out online at naturereliance.org. That's naturereliance.org. Has COVID-19 got you locked down where you can't travel, can't go to classes, can't get your learning on? Craig and I started some Zoom classes several months ago now with great success. In fact, the last three classes include Intro to Hunting, Intro to Amateur Radio or Ham Radio, and Winter Tree ID. Check them out and get your learning on from the comfort of your home. Hey there, everybody. This is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Blind School, coming to you for another Naturalist Notebook. I think that's what we've been calling them, naturalist notebook, but I think what I'm going to do is refer to them as the practical naturalist moving forward, just simply because I think that is a better title for what it is that I can offer the general public as I share information. There are naturalists that have master's degrees in biology and ecology and different things, and I don't have that. I am a master naturalist trainee with University of Kentucky. I've been certified a master naturalist with the Wilderness Awareness School. But uh, so I can hold that title and uh, I should be finishing up my certification with the University of Kentucky real soon. But with that said, I wanted to regularly come on and share some information as it relates to nature in a way that's a little bit more practical and not as, I don't know, dry as if you will. So I've got a lot of experiences with different pieces of trees and wildlife and just being in the great outdoors that I like sharing and hopefully you enjoy hearing some of these stories as well as the factual data about these things. Today, what I wanted to do was discuss Lynx Rufus, the bobcat. Before I get into that, why don't we go ahead and check out one of our Q&A segments from one of our listeners. Here you go. This quick tip is a question that comes from one of our Nature Reliance School students, Mike S., Mike asked this question. For a family on a budget, what essential gear is it okay to go for the budget buy 
and what items do you never want to skimp on? This is a great question for a quick tip. I'm so glad Mike asked it. Here's how I like to communicate this vital piece of information. If you have $100 that you have available to spend on outdoor gear, whether it's for survival, camping, backpacking, hiking, what have you, it is my suggestion that you spend $75 of that $100 on a very high-quality sleeping pad and the remainder on a sleeping bag. Now, I say that for the typical general outdoors person, not for mountaineers, obviously. But for most of us, the key to a nice warm night in the outdoors is to be insulated from the ground, not necessarily encapsulated in a very expensive sleeping bag. Case in point, we just finalized another class for Nature Light School. One night, the temperature got down to 27 degrees. We had several people with very fantastic sleeping bags that got cold. Most of them had something like a wool blanket underneath of them as insulation and a hammock or on the ground and not much else. They were complaining of being cold. Those who had a fantastic insulated or high-quality pad underneath of them were warm. Some of them with just a light blanket on top of them. So again... To go back to Mike's question, for a family on a budget, what essential gear is it okay to go for the budget buy and what items do you never want to skimp on? We'll probably end up doing a whole podcast on this because it's a great question. But for now, our quick tip is this. Get a high quality sleeping pad and get a lower quality sleeping bag. Thanks, Mike. Man, I love doing these Q&A segments. These have been really good. And I think it's been a nice addition. Stay on later, and I've got another quick tip segment for you as it relates to the outdoors that you don't want to miss. As And uh, it'll be about how to take care of your knives. It'll be towards the end of the podcast. So, yeah, Lynx Rufus, Mr. Bobcat, what we here in Kentucky call a wildcat, right? Uh, wildcats, Kentucky Wildcats are, are pretty famous, if you will, for college basketball in particular and football and and hey interesting note i tried to play baseball for the university of kentucky and didn't make it so not good enough for them good move on my part i didn't need to be playing baseball i need to be studying at that time i wanted to get into bobcat facts and information habitat and i'll try to pepper this with a few stories first one i wanted to tell you kind of interesting when i was a i think i was around 14 i've told this story several times about when i got lost and it was one of the things that put me in a position to where I wanted to study survival. And I got lost on a deer hunt. And uh, what happened on the deer hunt is that I was tracking these deer and I was bow hunting. So I was trying to get close enough on a stalk. I wasn't hunting from a stand. I wasn't hunting from a blind. I was actually out in the woods stalking these critters down. That's difficult to do if you weren't aware. It's pretty difficult. In the process of tracking these deer, I, well, I pretty much can't say it any other way. I got lost. I mean, I got pretty bad lost as it relates to being lost in the Danube National Forest, okay? So as a kid, being in a position, when I say a kid, you know, 13 or 14 years old, I can't remember exactly how old I was, uh, needing to be home to feed cattle real soon in, in the afternoon, and this was in the morning when this, when this story happened. But um, 
I was really concerned, got excited and got lost and lost one of my boots and threw my bow and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a wild story. I've told that too many times. But the part that I don't ever relate in that story is that morning I walked down a trail in the dark. I slid down this ridge that I was real familiar with, so I knew how to get down there. So I, I knew that in this area, I wanted to be in this general area because deer come up through this little draw right next to where I was hunting. So I was sitting there before daylight and I hear something walking through the woods and coming through the woods. I don't know what it is at the time. I can't see it, but as it gets closer, I can tell because hey, I know what things sound like when they walk or I'm okay at it at least, particularly at 13 or 14. I was okay. I'm a lot better at it now, but I could tell it was small. I could tell it was a, it was not a deer. Uh, it's hard to explain, but deer make a hard, to me, when deer step on the ground, they make a real hard sound. And this animal is making a real soft sound. Almost like it's really testing every footfall before it makes its foot hit the leaf litter. Okay. So I knew it was a little bit different. It wasn't hopping like a squirrel. It wasn't hopping like a raccoon. And so it was just foreign to me, really. But anyway, what it ended up being was a bobcat. And it came walking through the woods literally walked across my legs. I was leaned up against a tree, my legs stretched out in front of me, my bow sitting in my lap, and it walked basically across my shins. Got about five feet from me and let out this terrible bobcat scream, yell, holler, whatever, because it figured out as it stepped on me and then probably smelled me that I wasn't what's normally there. And it kind of freaked me out, it kind of freaked it out, and it went on its way. Yeah, I mean, my blood, I'm telling you right now, my blood turned to ice <laughs> for a little while. But it got me on a path of wanting to study these critters. And I won't say that I've studied them in depth because I haven't. But here's one of the things I determined was that uh, for years, uh, I had trouble even seeing a bobcat. I actually didn't see this one because it was poor daylight. But what I discovered once I started studying bobcats and studying their habits, studying what they eat, studying when they travel, I was able to put myself in a position where I could see more bobcats. And the reason I got to study them a little bit harder is when I started studying wild turkeys, I noticed that was when I saw more bobcats. And the reason I saw more bobcats, because I'll get into this in a minute, they are an animal that, and I'm going to look this word up because I have a tough time remembering this word, crepuscular, I think is the word. Let me find it here. I've got it in my notes. Yeah, crepuscular. C-R-E-P-U-S-C-U-L-A-R. And that means they're most active basically at dawn and dusk. And so that's just a real fancy word of saying that. So right that time, right between when it starts to get light and before it gets dark, uh, they're going to be most active. And I was seeing them then when I was out turkey hunting. And I thought, why am I doing that? I, you know, I didn't know. I mean, obviously from just observational awareness, I could see that and recognize that. But I wanted to know why. Well, that's what I'll get into a little bit later. So with that said, let's start looking at some of these facts that I gathered. Now, what I did is I just did what you could do, but I'm just trying to make it easy on your way to work or while you're at work or while you're working out. Whenever it is that you listen to our podcast, you can let me do the work for you and just sit back, relax, and hear some of these facts that I'm going to share with you. What I did is I just did Bobcat facts, tips, and interesting information on Google, and I pulled up about 10 different websites and grabbed a bunch that I thought were really interesting to me, and I'm hoping you'll find they're interesting to you as well. Here's a few. Let's go down through them. Number one, female bobcats are very territorial and their ranges never overlapped. However, male cats may overlap ranges. 
Hmm, interesting how males and females work a little bit differently there. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. A male's territory is usually, listen to this craziness, a male's territory is usually approximately 30 square miles. A female's territory is approximately 5 square miles. There's a bobcat that I've been tracking for years on this farm that I spend a lot of time on, and it's really interesting. I don't know yet, and I've tried to find more information on this, I don't know exactly yet the pattern by which bobcats move through seasons. But what I do know is that I don't see tracks for this bobcat on that particular farm until wintertime, like late January, February. But almost every late January, February, there's a particular spot on this farm, and I start seeing tracks for a bobcat. I'm not saying it's the same bobcat. I'm assuming that it's probably a male, because I've never laid eyes on that particular bobcat that I'm aware of. One person has this bobcat on video, and I it was just a quick flash actually he was inside of a deer blind calling a turkey and the bobcat came up on him and stuck his head in the blind he was kind of wild the video but again we don't know if it was a male or female bobcats are predators which means they're going to go after food they mainly go after rabbits but think about a bobcat and how big they are they're not going to be incredibly big enough to take down typically a deer but they do go after deer. I saw a video recently where one jumped on a mule deer. I saw another one a couple of years ago where jumped on a whitetail deer. I mean, think about these things. They're relatively small. They're going to be around three feet, and they're going to weigh about 20 or 30 pounds. You know, that's the female, for example. A male is going to be slightly larger than that. You know, they're going to primarily be going after smaller critters like rabbits, uh, squirrels, small chipmunks and stuff of that nature. So the way that they're going to get their food is they're going to pounce on it. And this is something you've ever had the ability to witness this. It's fantastic to watch this happen. Now, let me tell you another one of the stories about a bobcat pouncing on me. I was grouse hunting one time up in the Daniel Boone National Forest. And my dad and I had gone up there and he, we parked down. If you're familiar with that part of the world, some of our listeners are, are close to where I'm from. We were parked down leading up to Joe's branch, and he parked the vehicle. He went on one side of the road, I went on the other. And basically, he went, he's obviously, it's my dad because he's older than me. He took the easier route where he was going to walk on flatter ground, and I basically turned and went straight up a mountainside. Not really a mountainside, a hillside here in Kentucky, right? I wasn't away from the truck five minutes. There was a, a wall of rock, like a rock wall going down through this section, and I'd went up through a basically a drainage that had knocked a bunch of dirt down in the drainage, and it was, it was almost going straight up, okay? And later on, I found out that 
rabbit uh, rabbits bobcats really like hanging out in those types of areas they really like to hang out and watch and and uh in cliff lines and stuff of that nature and evidently this bobcat was just sitting watching people go by on traffic as i mean it was right above the road and here i come up the road i don't know if it couldn't see me because i was kind of around the corner away from the rock wall where it was but i climbed up started going up the hill turned a corner i was finally getting to where it was somewhat leveling out a little bit more comfortable walk and i heard something in a tree above me and as i stopped and looked up i mean right as i looked up a bobcat is is in my face i mean it has pounced on me from a branch above me okay what i didn't know that i heard was the bobcat leaving the branch they'll oftentimes sit on a big branch in a tree and sun themselves I had not seen it, obviously. Uh, They're very well camouflaged, and it was coming. Now, it's one of those things in life, one of those times, and you've probably had experiences like this too, where something happened and it took a second or less or maybe two, and it seems like it took a lifetime. This is one of those experiences. I looked up, and I could see this thing, and I'm looking right in its eyes as it's getting ready to pounce on my head, okay? And I realize, and it realizes as it's coming down, it's made a huge mistake. I mean, a huge mistake. I don't know what he thought I was. I had a hunter orange hat on. I still to this day don't know why that brought attention because he was coming right at my head. Very, very fortunately for me, he determined halfway down in the middle of the air in that half a second that it took to do that. I was not what he wanted. And he basically hit me and just bounced off and took off running. Fortunately, he didn't try to claw my face off because he probably would have. Well, that said, I was pretty happy that Mr. Bobcat was on his way. I got a story that I can tell people for the rest of my life and experience and very interesting. But I can tell you for sure, 20, 30 pounds of a Bobcat coming out of a tree and hitting you in the head, that might be a bigger than a house cat, but man, that hurts. It hurt bad. So um, there you go. That's one of the craziest stories I've ever had with Bobcats. And let's talk about some of these, more of these facts. A litter size for female bobcats is somewhere around one to six kittens, and they have those kittens in between April and May. Primarily, they're solitary animals, and from what I have seen with tracks, I find that to be true. It's, I don't know, just thinking about it, I don't know if I've ever noticed any cat tracks. I saw cat tracks on the Kentucky River yesterday. I was out fishing with a fella and saw some bobcat tracks on the edge of the river. I've never, that I recall, see bobcat tracks of multiple cats together. Now, they're primary solitary, so they'll go about their own way and do their own thing. Again, they're crepuscular. I think I'm saying that right, meaning they're active during twilight, dawn, and dusk. And bobcats, this is pretty interesting, they live about 12 to 13 years. Males pretty much abandon the female. They don't have anything to do with raising the kittens at all. Back in the early 1970s, I was born in 1969, so when I was just a kid, bobcat populations in most of the Midwest were almost completely decimated, almost to the point of them being gone and not being here at all, because there was an increased value in the fur trade for bobcats. If you've ever seen a bobcat, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is a beautiful, beautiful fur, and I've always wanted one. I would love to have one, but I have no interest in eating cat. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying I've never had an interest in killing a bobcat, and that's the only reason I would purposely kill a bobcat, unless I saw that it was injured or sick or something. But I've never had the intent of eating one, so I've never had the fur. But what happened to me a few years ago, 
is a friend of mine. This used to happen to me quite a bit when I used to tan a lot of furs is uh tan a lot of hides and stuff of that nature is this friend called me said dude i just saw a bobcat get hit down here on the road if you want it come get it so i did uh if you are into doing that sort of thing it sounds kind of crazy but i used to do it all the time if you do that sort of thing just a, a a note about the law you need to contact your fish and wildlife agent and let them know you don't want to be in the possession of a dead bobcat that is out of season or any animal for that matter that is out of season and uh you could find yourself on the wrong side of the law. So most of the time, well, my experience has been all the time, but I'm assuming most of the time the experience with the conservation officer is a positive one. They understand what you're doing. Uh, I told the guy, I actually knew the guy had actually trained him in man tracking, so I knew him, but they, uh, I let him know, and he, he, I can't remember what he did when I took possession of the cat off the road, but one of the things, oh, he, he gave me a, a, a slip of paper that I kept with me until I got it tanned. And what I did, and this was a mistake on my part, is I took the hide and I, I salted it down. And I wasn't able to work it at that time. I cleaned it up and I froze it. And I kept it in the freezer for so long that most of the hair started thawing out. And I didn't salt it well enough. Therefore, uh, I lost the hide. So I'm in the market. If you see a bobcat that gets nailed on the road and doesn't get tore up too bad, I would love to have a bobcat hide. You need to let me know. Moving on, bobcats can be mistaken for a mountain lion. I was part of a group on Facebook where it was mountain lion sightings in Kentucky. Interesting thing I heard in a recent class, we had a couple guys that have knowledge on this subject that some bobcats have tails up to 18, 24 inches long. It's not common, and I can't remember. He gave the statistic how often that it happens, and I can't remember how long that was. It wasn't real common at all, but you'll see this. And you'll see a lot of people that put bobcat photos up and say, hey, that's a mountain lion with its cat uh, with its tail cut off. And it's just, I've I, I never understood why so many people want to make bobcats into mountain lions or make mountain lions happen out of nothing. And I just, it, it's a phenomenon I don't really understand. It goes right along with Sasquatches and Bigfoot and all that stuff. Bobcats are just kind of cool on their own. Let's not try to make them into mountain lions. If you're looking at photos on a site, like Facebook or something like that, one of the ways that I try to identify and say, hey, that's a bobcat, is get some side-by-side pictures. You'll notice that the facial structure, and particularly the ear structure, and how they're pointed on a bobcat versus on a mountain lion are pretty different. The other thing is you can index it to vegetation that's around it. So if you have a good idea of the vegetation that the animal is standing by, let's say you see a jewelweed plant there, and you know in that area jewelweed's probably about this size and the mountain lion is standing there versus the bobcat, then you know about what an animal should look like standing next to that particular plant. You can index next to trees and and plants and structures of that sort that are in the photo. So that's one way of looking at pictures and determining, is it a mountain lion or is it a bobcat? Now, one of the reasons that they're so incredibly just, to me, they're fascinating is that, think about this, bobcat, again, 20, 30 pounds or about three foot, they can jump as high as 10, 12 feet. That's crazy to me. That's wild. And they can run at about 35 miles an hour. That is wild to me. Think about a mount, or think about a bobcat running down through a trail or a woods going about 35 miles an hour. If you've ever seen one run through the woods, which I have, I've only seen one running once. Every bobcat that I've seen was kind of stalking. But the one that hit me in the head and it took off running through the woods, I bet that sucker was running 36 miles an hour through the woods. <laughs> he was smoking going down through the woods. One of the things that is really problematic for bobcats is 
is mountain lions in territories where mountain lions and bobcats coexist. Mountain lions will kill them as well as wolves. And oftentimes, uh, bobcat kittens will be eaten by coyotes and owls. So that's their big predators. You know, one of the big things that is concerning for people, and this is what I try to do with the Practical Naturalist podcast, is kind of myth bust so that you don't have to be concerned and worried about bobcats if they're there they are in your area. They very, very rarely, statistically, to the point of almost being impossible to attack people. They have happened. I mean, it's happened, okay? But they're so incredibly spooked by humans that it's just so incredibly rare. The issue where it does happen is that bobcats will attack a human and they'll actually attack other animals that are out of its normal food habits because they might have rabies. And so that's worthy of your attention if you're being attacked one by one. So make sure that if that's happening, you're able to uh, study the animal as best you can. You might have to take that animal in, take kill it yourself and take it in. It's just my experience with the one that hit me on the head, I didn't even have time to kill that thing and it was gone. So it was very, very healthy. It did not have rabies. One of the things that is interesting about bobcats is that their habitat ranges in the entire continental United States from southern Canada to northern Mexico. They inhabit places with very dense vegetation and plenty of prey. They, again, live in dens, which can be a truck, I mean a a tree. Uh, It could be, when I say a tree, cavity in a tree. It could be a cave. It could be a big brush pile. There's a... Now, I think I was on the phone one time with Tracy, and I was telling him about this. I was tracking a bobcat in the snow one time. I saw the tracks. I was following them right down this old logging road on this farm I spent a lot of time on. They went into this big root ball, and then they didn't come out. I'm sitting there looking at this bobcat somewhere. I can't see it, and I still don't know where it went. I couldn't see where there was a deeper hole, but there was a tiny hole down the root ball and a tree that had fallen down. And snow was everywhere. The snow was on the tree, under the tree, on the root ball, everywhere. The tracks led into this root ball, into this tiny little hole that I didn't think was big enough for a bobcat. And then no bobcat out the other side. So it was down in there somewhere, which I found pretty fascinating. I am definitely not the type of person that wants to stick a stick down in a hole to provoke an animal. Therefore, I just let it be and do its own thing. So with that said, this has been The Practical Naturalist. I hope you have enjoyed some of these stories, hearing about some of my experiences with bobcats. I hope you've enjoyed the facts about bobcats. Now, here's what I can tell you if you're interested in getting out and seeing them. My best time to see them is right at first light of the day. Uh, I've done that a lot during turkey season. That's where I've seen most of the bobcats that I've seen. Look for areas where they're on the prowl. Ha-ha, I like how I threw that in there, the prowl. That's pretty cool. Cliff lines, they like to, what the ones that I've seen in the Daniel Boone National Forest, which I frequent, are around cliff lines. And so I've made it a habit when I want to get eyes on or when I'm turkey hunting, I might set myself up where I can see something of that area and possibly get sight of a bobcat. So I hope you enjoy yourself. I hope you get out there. This has been Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Reliance School. As with all things Nature Reliance School, come on, join in. Let's learn together.
And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blind School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.